So Amber, remember how in the last episode, I was like, do you care about Mara Jade? And you were like, I'm past the point in my life where I feel the need to pretend like I care about Mara Jade. That's where Absolutely. I- <laughs> I'm a grown up. I'm a grown up now and I definitely never feel the need to posture about my likes in any way. That's where I am with James Bond. I got to this episode and I was like, I don't think I have anything to say. So Amber, how much of this opening do you want me to just riff about how the Lord of the Rings game everybody thinks they want is actually Red Dead Redemption 2? Because that's the video I'm currently working on, but I'm currently failing to shoot. Do you just want the rough draft of that? I want I want three minutes of this opening to be that. <laughs> that's about how long it is. Okay, so... This all started because I was thinking about Mordor's Shadows of War, where Shelob is a sexy lady with sexy lady parts. Yeah! Fuck yeah. (laughs) And the gamification of Lord of the Rings. And I think a reason that most Lord of the Rings games get hit with the criticism of not Lord of the Rings enough is because... We don't have that adaptation that does the one-to-one that incentivizes being a Lord of the Rings experience before being a video game one. And in a perfect world, we could have the two things. But we actually do have both of the things because Red Dead Redemption 2 is the perfect Lord of the Rings game. Red Dead Redemption 2 is a Western, which means it is fucking slow. And you know what Lord of the Rings is? Fucking slow. It is a so the book specifically we're talking the book specifically yeah they are encyclopedias fucking academic written history novels where one dude is really excited to tell you about the woods and so intended play in red dead redemption 2 in this vash lavish beautiful sprawling one-to-one recreated world part there's no fast travel in one of the largest open world games of all time so walking the mosey of it all, quiet moments of contemplation with just you and your horse in these beautiful parts of our country that no longer exist due to a byproduct of innovation, that's part of text, that's intended play, and that sentence is one of the most Lord of the Rings bullshit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Part of Lord of the Rings is about the violence of industry. Fucking uh, clip where the goblin walks in, their roots grow deep, my lord. Then we will tear them out by the root. And the scene where they're pushing all the fucking trees down and the sad music plays. That's what part of Red Dead Redemption 2 is. There's legit environmental messages in the game. Your character is deeply moved by these parts of the West he's never experienced. And it's in that exploring of the West, exploring of this sector of American mythology that no longer exists anymore. That's also Lord of the Rings. That's why Tolkien wrote those fucking books. He wanted to make English mythology that he felt never existed. He wanted to escape to a dream, something that is fleeting, and the ability to linger is the cell of Red Dead Redemption 2 because it's a prequel. You know where all of these characters are fated to go. This is a dream you know you awake from, but everything within your power exists to prolong that. That's why it's so fucking long. That's why it wants you to sit down. That's why the poker takes so long to fucking play. It is a dream. You are meant to linger, to slowly walk through the woods with just your horse, thinking about nothing but that sweet, sweet second breakfast. Replace 
gun shoots and brawling with bow and arrows and swordplay and the camera guy with word for person who makes maps who every time you run into him he goes and now i'm gonna give you a lore dump about gareth ungle or some dumb shit and red dead redemption 2 is already the perfect lord of the rings game yeah that was right about three minutes good job boom bam hit it right in the head I've never played Red Dead Redemption 2, um, so I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. I, I, I believe you. I'm correct, everyone listening. <laughs> Devin's right, um, you know, presumably. I'm glad that we got to have uh, this moment when you get to know things, because now we can spend the rest of the episode talking about James Bond, the thing that I know things about. Um, hello everyone, and welcome to Original Podcast Do Not Steal. My name is Amber Autumn, she, her. And I'm Prince Devin, expert of not the thing we're talking about today. But didn't you learn something, everybody? Uh, didn't you, didn't you feel like you, you got an interesting, uh, analysis there? About a thing you weren't expecting? Original Podcast Do Not Steal is a weekly podcast in which every week Devin and I, and sometimes a third person, but not today, don't get greedy, um, take some sort of franchise and we make an original character in that franchise. Um, uh, and also probably dick around and talk about a different franchise for like a hundred fucking thousand hours of that. Um, sorry about the Toon Link episode, Cameron. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, we uh, always do uh, some, uh, some fun little parasocial bonding um, with a question of the week. So, Devin, my question of the week for you, um, which part of your current place of residence are you the most proud of? Uh, What's your favorite little piece of interior deco? Um, Lexi organizes most things, and I nod and go, yes, seems great. Surely there is, like, some object in there that is yours, like, some some fucking fancy toy that you bought that you're really excited to have in your space um lexi got me a backpack and an oron host club pick pin and i pinned the pin on the flap of the backpack and i have that at the bottom of our cabinet in the living room and i look at that i'm like yeah oron high school host club I love that. That's a great answer. What about you, buddy pal? Um, there's a lot of stuff. I actually, I fucking love putting things on walls. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world is finding decorations and putting them on walls. Um, uh, so currently I'm really excited about the porn. Um, I'm going to this antiques fair with a friend and every time I go, I pick up some, like there's like, for, the, for 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 several months that I've gone, there's this booth that sells this, like, lesbian porn art from, like, I don't even know when exactly it's from. I bet it's from, like, the aughts. Like, I bet it's not that old. Um, uh, uh, but I have I have assembled enough of them that I have, like, arranged them into a three-by-three three grid. Um, it's very classy. It's, it's very classy of me. Um. Like, uh... You know, I had it and I lost it. I remember someone who was like, I hang up my tasteful porn in the mantle, but it's it's gone now. That's right. No, I, I do. I hang up my tasteful porn on the wall um, in between the bedroom and the room where I am recording this right now with the computer in it. Um, 
Uh, yeah. So now that you're all uh, thoroughly uh, parasocialized to for uh for us to for you, fuck shit. I'm like I like I know you're not gonna cut out the audio of that if you edit this because you're going out of your way to make me look bad now because I said the Star Wars prequels were good. Oh no 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 um, no 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 no! That was for that episode for that section of that episode. Specific when you are saying they are good, I want you to sound bad so no one believes you oh, because good. you're wrong. I'll keep great. editing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, okay, great. Then then I'm glad to hear that this entire bit will be cut out unceremoniously. <laughs> Uh, because it doesn't make sense if you don't hear me stammering in the first place. Well, now I have decisions um, to make. James Bond! You may have heard of him. Um, Jimmy Bond, buddy boy, 007. So, um, James Bond is a long-running uh, 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 British spy film franchise, originally a series of novels by uh, Ian Fleming, um, a deeply racist guy. Um, and then adapted into a, like, 30-ish film-long franchise. Also, many of them deeply racist movies. Um, and in February of this year, 2022, um, I embarked on a project where I watched all of them one per day in chronological order. Um, so I don't have like a long and storied history with the James Bond franchise, um, but I have now seen them all, um, in really quick succession and I have feelings and takes about them in accordance with that. Um, yeah. And you don't know anything about James Bond or you don't care about James Bond. I've so be... seen the majority of the daniel craig bonds a handful of who's the motherfucker from lawnmower man whichever one he is handful of his and i i don't know who i don't know who is in lawnmower man i've never seen it i could look it up (laughs) yeah look up lawnmower (laughs) okay (laughs) oh i love lawnmower man it's it's like unironically a decent flick uh, the 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 CG has not aged well. It looks like fucking reboot. But Pierce Brosnan, I cannot fucking believe. <laughs> I know that him. your pull for <laughs> Pierce fucking Brosnan lawnmower, was lawnmower man. man. <laughs> Where do I know Pierce Brosnan? Man? Oh, lawnmower man, nineteen ninety fucking two. <laughs> Very cultured, and I fell asleep to what is it dr sleep the first one with fucking it's it's dr no babe oh um, yeah dr sleep is the stephen king movie oh fucking christ i all of my <laughs> apparently all of my james bond knowledge is just stephen king but yeah fucking dr uh ramirez from highlander I'm now looking up Highlander. <laughs> Fucker, he's the first James Bond! Sean Connery! Sean Connery, yeah. <laughs> I was doing more of the bit where it's like, well-renowned I actor. I knew What's Sean Connery was in this movie. Why am I, why, like, I, why did I need to look that up? I knew that shit. <laughs> I, I'm, I was just continuing my bit of like, oh, this famous actor. What's this fucking B-grade flick they were in? Lawnmower Man and Highlander. <laughs> Do you still care about... You cared so much about Highlander I in high school. Is that fucking love Highlander. Highlander remains my favorite movie. That shit fucking rules. 
Which one was the horrible one that we would make fun of, that we would say was good in order to piss you off Highlander, because you didn't like it? Highlander of the Source, and it's fucking bad. <laughs> it's one, okay, cool. It's one of the worst. Uh, like, I believe you. Oh, right? it's so... It's fun. We're not... We're not... We're, James Bond! We're not doing that right now. That's for a future episode. <sighs> um, so, here's the deal with James Bond. James Bond has been through a couple of eras over the course of the years. Um, originally in the 60s, you had Sean Connery in the titular role playing James Bond... And um, it was it was extremely formulaic. It was like episodic, basically. And the thing that would happen is that Bond would go into um, his his commander M's office, and M would say, "What do you know about this person, Bond?" And I don't, I don't know why that was the voice I was doing. He's British. I'm not going to do a British accent on air. Um, and then Sean Connery. Um, uh, James Bond would say, oh, all I know about this evil man is, and then he would exposit everything towards us. Um, and then that would lead him on, they would like send him to go stop this evil villain's plan. And that would send him on a, um, a, 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 a colorful, uh, series of hijinks, um, and, and delightful espionage sequences where Bond gets to like, fuck a couple of women, probably at least one of them dies, um, and and then there's like some action sequences uh, and Bond thinks his way out and saves the day. Um, and that was kind of the formula for a really long time. Eventually they retire Sean Connery because he gets too old for the role. And then they bring Roger Moore in and Roger Moore is the most boring Bond. He's horrible. He's not interesting at all. Um, he gets a little bit of charm towards the end of his tenure as Bond. But like by that point, he's so fucking old, like really egregiously too old for the role. There's this like there's this story about in one of the later films, Roger Moore, like, being horrified to discover that, um, the, like, his, like, romantic lead, that he's older than her father, um, and being like, I need to, like, fucking retire. Um, what a moment. Uh, you know what? Shout out to him. Most people in Hollywood don't get that. <laughs> um. Money Penny. And then. <laughs> Money Penny, I have an idea for a new gadget. It's a condom that shoots a gun. That way the Bond girl can <laughs> die immediately. Two birds with one stone. That's right. Yeah, so the gadgets are a big part of it. The cars are a big part of the, the James Bond identity. Um, he has a, a quartermaster named Q who gives him a bunch of gadgets. Um, Q is great. One of the best characters uh, played by Desmond Llewellyn for like like a really long time. Like The longest running actor in that franchise is the first guy to play Q. There have only been three actors to play Q so far. Um, and he's delightful because he doesn't take any of Bond's shit, um, which is like one of my favorite things is when the the franchise is like just a little bit self-aware about itself that like, like the franchise fucking always wants to play this game where um, Bond kind of sucks. And especially the further you go, like especially as you get into the nineties um, with like, like really the Timothy Dalton stuff onwards, um, the franchise kind of knows that James Bond sucks, but it also thinks that James Bond is, like, really cool and a lot of fun, and it wants to have it both ways. And it wants the, like, Bond girls to be, like, cool girl boss badasses, but it also wants James to get laid. And it has to do this, like, fun little dance where they solve that tension every time um, to, like, varying results. It works better sometimes. Listen here, like listen here, Sonny Jim. The only kind of independent woman I like is a woman who's independent enough to suck me off and then stop That's talking. right, yeah. <laughs> um, so the franchise continues, like, through the, like, like Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan both get a turn in, like, the 90s and then, um, and the, and the early aughts. And then, 
um uh they turn the they 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 turn the reins over to Daniel Craig in what to most people probably feels like like most people I think listening to this are going to know the Daniel Craig movies and not know any of the other stuff because that's like overwhelmingly the thing that I got from people when I was doing my marathon and I was talking to people is that people like had a relationship with the Daniel Craig movies and not so much the earlier ones you know if you're like of our generation um, because those are the ones that were coming out around our like adolescence and young adulthood. But also there was like this real sense of like r- like reboothood around the Daniel Craig movies. Like 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 Casino Royale came out and it like it was a reboot and it like f- like the tone changed a lot. It actually was not very long between that one and the previous movie like if you look at the gaps between movies in the timeline from like the 60s to the present day like the the gap between uh the between casino royale and the movie right before it is like not out of place it's like it's like it's a couple of years it's extremely normal um it's just that it like is marketed as uh uh as a reboot and it like is is received in like the the public imagination as a reboot. Listen here, um, Sonny Jim woman lad. I can't keep up with these confounded pronouns of the new age, Sonny lad, girl boss queen. But if Spider Man can get a reboot every fucking two years, James Bond can get one in three. I tell you what for. I love that you like keep defaulting to Sean Connery. Like you keep trying to do Scottish. I really appreciate that about you. <laughs> yeah, that one. Who that that accent really fucking got away from me. <laughs> I fucking forgot about um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay, so um, uh, it doesn't get turned over to Roger Moore after Sean Connery right away. There's actually one movie um, that stars George Lazenby as James Bond. Um, the the one and only time that he gets to a turn at the role. Um, uh, he's great in it, by the way. And also, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is, like, one of the most important Bond films to understand in the canon. Um, the, like, last couple of Daniel Craig movies, which is to say the last couple of Bond movies, um, uh, really take a lot from it. Um, it's, like, one of the central pieces of Bond's... How much do I want to spoil about this turn? I'll, 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 I'll bring it up again if it, if it comes up, if it becomes relevant later. Um... But yeah, Bond has, like, a, a long history of, like, this, like, weird misogynist and this, like, this camp, this goofiness, um, which is, like, a lot of what it's known for. Um, and then they really darken it in the reboot. The, there's, there's this interview with Daniel Craig where he talks about the um, the turn towards being a much more grounded, much more serious Bond um, uh, is a direct result of the Austin Powers movies. Like, Austin Powers happens and it parodies Bond and it parodies all these things that happen in Bond movies. And then suddenly, the, like, public consciousness about Bond, uh, because those movies are such mega smash hits, are so much about all these, like, silly, goofy elements. Um, and Daniel Craig's like, yeah, and suddenly we couldn't do any of those things anymore. And we had, so, like, we had to go really serious with it. Um, so that's a weird little bit of history for you about why that happened. So there's a couple of places that we could start with a Bond movie, with with making a Bond OC. Uh, there are, we could make a Bond villain. Bond villains are really char- colorful um, characters. Is a long history of, like, evil mastermind uh, men. It's always men. There's, like, a couple where they're like, oh, 
you know, uh, Mayday is the first Bond villain, but she's fucking not. Um, and we all know that she's not actually the main villain of that piece. Uh, there's Bond girls. Um, there's always like a one or more uh, uh, plucky women that Bond gets to fuck, but also who gets to like cause problems in the world. And it's always fun trying to see how they distinguish Bond girls from one another. Um, there's making a, a member of MI6. There's inventing a Bond, like just like who would we pick to play Bond and what would make them different than the other takes on Bond. Um, Idris Alba, and it's that he's black. Nothing else. Nothing else to say about what that Bond would be like. I, you, fuck, you sold my ticket. Idris Alba's Bond? Hell yeah. It was me, James. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, um, I was the architect of his People have been pushing for that one for a while, yeah. Well, I'm me, and I don't see a point of doing a Bond OC that isn't a villain. Okay, great. Yeah, then let's do a villain. I love that. Uh, that's probably the most exciting one in general. So, the way the Bond villains tend to work um, is that you have uh, some dude um, with probably some kind of like distinctive visual quirk, like that he uh, cries tears of blood, or he has a really big distinctive scar across his face, or... Um, so, so yeah, there, 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 there's a couple of tiers of Bond villain. There's, there's the one I'm describing... Um, uh, where yeah, you have a you have a, a guy with a with a distinctive feature. There's the and... there's the before I kill you now before I kill you, Mister Bond, who has the big master plan. There is the uh-huh, uh-huh. fun henchman with a quirk, like the mother like that's right. Throws the hat or is it a shoe? That's the other one I was. I don't think. know. I saw Austin Powers and he throws the shoe, and he throws the shoe in Austin Powers. It's a hat in the Man with the Golden Gun, which is what, or no, sorry, um, odd job is from. Uh, jobs from Goldeneye. Yeah, you get what am I talking the about? mute large body with a fun quirk. There's that bit with Batista where he gets flown out of the helicopter and Bond looks over and goes, you talk too much. And the joke is he doesn't talk. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's, you know, henchmen. We can make an 88 and 89 from fucking Venture Brothers. There are, there are a lot of good henchmen. Um... Yeah, are you okay? Are we interested in Mastermind or are we interested in Henchman? I want to do Mastermind personally. I love a big motherfucker who's full of himself and is going to talk at nauseum in the third act. Okay, totally. So the, the the character that you're probably largely thinking of, like the iconic character, sort of, is Blofeld. Um, although I say character, Blofeld isn't really so much a character as he's a concept. Blofeld is like also played by a bunch of different actors over the course of the runtime of the franchise, and he acts completely different time every time he shows up because Blofeld isn't actually so much a character as like the idea of uh, uh, James Bond's nemesis, um, who needs to show up sometimes. Um, but Blofeld is kind of going to be like the archetype for like we're not so different, you and I, Mister Bond. A thing that I didn't actually catch them saying at any point in the course of the franchise, but maybe I missed it because dude, I watched like twenty eight of the things in a row. My brain started to melt a little bit by the end. But like, let me. I'm gonna fucking pull up a list of movies so that I can see who some of the iconic villains are. The first one ever was Doctor No, um, in the movie creatively titled Doctor No. Um, but he's, like, kind of boring and also yellow face. Um, Listen, when I think Bond villains, I'm only thinking of one motherfucker, and it's the guy from Skyfall, because he uses the power of sex against James Bond, and it was the most I ever feared for... I watched Daniel Craig naked in the chair <laughs> to the nuts, and I went, oh, no, 
the birthplace of his masculinity. How will James Bond function? But I saw that motherfucker grasp James Bond by both of the thighs and drag him in. And I went, my God, he's going to dom James Bond. How can James Bond be an alpha man if this other dude is going to fuck him? He can't continue. It's the most fearful I've ever been for James Bond. I mean, that totally is the subtext of the scene, right? As they are attacking his masculinity. Yeah. Like, that's on purpose, yeah. Okay, what are some other iconic villains whom I love? Um, uh, Goldfinger from Goldfinger, 1964, um, is a classic. He's the one with the laser. He's the one with the, no, Mr. Von, I expect you to die. Um, uh, and he's like a... Uh, a, a card shark who has this plan to like irradiate the world supply of gold in order to make his own stocks like go way the fuck up um and he's this delightful little like what like dutch guy he's like so fucking unthreatening um and fun and that's like kind of one of the things that i love about him um christopher lee gets to play the villain in the man with the golden gun um, which is like not an especially interesting villain, but his but he's played by Christopher Lee, and so it lends him a lot of gravitas. There's a villain in um, uh, Goldeneye who is like a big media mogul, um, and then also like a, a villain in that who like used to be an MI6 agent who's like turned heel, um, and now Bond is like fighting his former brother, etc. Um, the villain Inspector. Um, or sorry, no, sorry, the villain in Skyfall is, like, um, super fucking interesting for, like, the two scenes he's in. Or, like, super compelling. He's Javier Bardem. Um, he's the best. Uh, Javier Bardem like, cannot give you a bad performance. Subtext. The man demands he your truly attention. Cannot. Absolutely. Like, honestly, like, that's half of the appeal, I think, of a lot of these. Like, you get to the point, like, you get far enough in, and it's like, oh, like, part of the thing is just that they're casting like really commanding actors in these roles. And it's actually a really important part of the franchise is getting someone with a lot of presence to be the villain. It's like one of the things that you expect out of the franchise. Um, uh, have you ever seen any star kid musicals like star kid Potter, like the old school? Like... Yeah. Have you seen any of the ones that aren't the Potter stuff? No, a lot of them are really good and they have a James Bond one. That's fucking amazing. And they do the thing you brought up where it's like my former brother. But then at the end, the guy just says, I loved you. And you go, wait, what? And it recontextualized every scene they've had together. And they were just straight up lovers. It's great. That is great. So like, I don't know. There's like a lot of places that we could go with a villain. We could start with an actor or like a performer um or we could start with like some kind of like high concept like former mi6 agent or we could just start with like some kind of a a, a megalomani megalomaniacal plan mm, okay let's let's just shoot like real quick and just kind of rapid succession shoot for all of those and see which one lands okay so for actor i got oscar isaac yeah that would be really fun Oscar Isaac would be a really great Bond villain, I agree. Um, plan, mind control, every animal on the planet. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I, we can totally work with that. Goofy quirk, they wear shoes on the opposite feet. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cycle through this because I want to do this a few more times. 
Okay, right. I hate that one, so that's fine. We'll keep going. Actor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Horrible choice. Willing to keep listening. <laughs> I just think it would be fun. I just think it would be funny. <laughs> I mean, it probably would be, but like, it would be, it would be funny. I don't think that means we should do it. <laughs> All right, here's a here's a quirky one. Here's a fun quirk. It's very obviously Elon Musk. Okay, great. Plan. Blow up the moon. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's a classic plan. It's a classic villain plan. We'll throw out two actors. Nick Cage. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. Crazy plan. Invent new tech, new tattoo technology that implants microchips that will explode. So everyone who has a tattoo is going to die unless you give me all the world's gold. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I haven't heard anything here that I like better than Oscar Isaac cont- mind-controlling all the animals in the world. All right, then that's the one we're rolling that, with. That shit, is, that shit is pure gold, IMO. All right, Oscar Isaac trying to control all of the animals. So is that just a quirky plan he hatched because... <laughs> or is there some super weird backstory reason this lonely child wants every pet in the world so traditionally like your most famous reasons are like to make a lot of money or for world domination often in the in the modern era like villains trying to make an ideological point trying to make a statement have been really popular um i think like phrasing it as a lonely little child who wants all the pet in the pets in the world is really interesting it's a new angle in that it's a it's a villain who is um, not, like, trying to be megalomaniacal, but just who, like, has a need that isn't being met, and they're willing to tear the world apart to get it. And that's, I think, more interesting than a lot of the, a lot of the big bad evils that we've gotten in the franchise. Um, All right, then that's a way to go. I have a question. I have an answer. Which... Are we making a new bond, or are we picking a bond for Oscar Isaac to go against? I think we're picking a bond. Um, at the very least, we're certainly, I, don't, I think, not fleshing our bond out very much. Um, it, but yeah, if, if we want to decide on a bond to go with, um, uh, then I think picking one of the existing ones. What era are we working in here? That's up to you, man. I don't... I, I'm, I, I, the only one I know is Daniel Craig. Okay, okay, I'm going to give you, like, I'm going to give you pitches on four options here. Um, So Sean Connery is full, goofy, silly gadgets and fun. Timothy Dalton is, like, Bond is edgy now, um, doing, like, grim, grimy spy stuff. Pierce Brosnan is, like, 90s GoldenEye shit. Um, uh, It's back to being fun again, but in a different way. And then Daniel Craig is the Daniel Craig stuff that you already know. Okay, so I think I'm going to come to you with this one. And it is a question of what Oscar Isaac are you hoping for? Are you hoping for the serious looks down camera with a thousand eye stare, deep bag Oscar Isaac? Or are you looking for more of the, hey, hey, I'm a fun, charming guy. Look at me. I'm Poe Dameron type of Oscar Isaac. When I was first thinking about it, I was thinking the first one, but I think the second one is probably more interesting. Okay, we got 
charming, funny dude, I think. Okay, so do we want to juxtapose? Uh, do we want to juxtapose? Juxtap- the word I am trying to say. Insert it here in post. <laughs> juxtapose. <laughs> You're looking for juxtapose, babes. <laughs> juxtapose. Fun guy, Oscar Isaac, with very serious Daniel Craig. Or do we want a fun Oscar Isaac facing off against a fun Sean Connery Bond? Because that's those are the two that I would care about making a villain in the space of. In which case, I think let's do Daniel Craig. I think it makes more sense. Um, even just like chronologically. Uh, uh, just like picturing Oscar Isaac, a young Oscar Isaac alongside a young Sean Connery is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so uh, like a like a fun, charming Oscar Isaac alongside Daniel Craig's Bond. He wants to mind control all of the animals in the world um, in order to... Okay, I have an idea that I'm not 100% on, so we'll probably throw it down. But what if he's doing a Noah's Ark thing and he's like, I need two of every animal because I'm going to flood the earth. Yeah, um, let's run with that. How the fuck is he going to flood the earth? This is two evil plans at the same time, um, which is kind of interesting, It's which is fun because then narratively you get to like follow the thread of one evil plan and be like, he's going to do this evil stuff with this, uh, with this animal control. And then at some point you get to have the fun dramatic reversal where you're like, oh, no, it's so much bigger than we thought it was. Um, this is actually a whole different plan that we need to solve in a different way. So that builds that right in, which is delightful. And you get to do it via dramatic monologue, which is always fun and the thing that you want out of a Bond villain. Yeah, Oscar um, Isaac does this evil, the Dr. Claw chair spin, and he's like, no, 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 no. I had a backup, motherfucker. Who do you think I am? I'm Dr. Pet. That's terrible. Wow, that was worse than I thought. <laughs> Holy shit, that's bad. Wow. You see, I was gonna, I was gonna say like we should name him like Gabriel or Azrael or some you know biblical angel name, but then I was like, Doctor Pet will be funny, and it was, it was just shit. It was just shit coming out of my mouth. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. Support us on Patreon. Delicious. Thanks for listening to us say the phrase "shit coming out of my mouth." <laughs> shit coming out of my mouth and straight shit into your ear mouth. holes. Um, <laughs> what was the fucking? The fucking thing in the HK-47 episode. A bunch of diarrhea dog shit coming out of my ass. A bunch of buffaloes all dropping feces out of their mouth right into my hamburger that I'm about to eat. What the fuck were they thinking, game designers? (laughs) James Bond Gunge only shoots one pixel when I'm getting shot from every direction. What were they thinking, game designers? Okay. So, if he is trying to build the Ark, is it coming from a religiously motivated place? Is is he religious? Was he... Is it maybe just that he, like, like was raised in a really religious conservative community and is now really concerned about sin in the world? Is that overdone? Is that... I think there's that, or there's the, I'm an eco-terrorist. Okay, here's here's my pitch. We do the like we do the like 
one of those two angles in theory i i i think i'm partial to the religion one um we we say that he is motivated by a religious desire to cleanse the world of sin um but we get to spend enough time with him that it becomes really really clear that that is absolute bullshit um and that he's doing it because um yeah, yeah because he's like a scared little boy who wants to feel special um and who wants to feel like he's like leaving an impact in the world because he because he doesn't feel that way now um and all of the all of the stuff he's claiming about about like sin and religion is just like a fucking front and the further you get into the confrontation the more his like facade of of having a greater purpose and a and a meaning to all this like just just falls away um uh and you get to see that it's really just like this scared little boy yeah we first meet but, him like not in a sympathetic way we first meet him and he's doing a monologue camera looking at the fire and it's you know, like fire hellfire and then the next time we see him he's like big the fucking who's the motherfucker who plays woody he was in monsters and mazes monsters and mazes is a far out game my, my knife tom is hanks. Really tom hanks it's like tom hanks and big where he's a kid in a candy store but replace the word candy store with hookers and blow at a casino he does the fucking he does the... <laughs> i remember when fucking nick cage was johnny blaze and he had a martini glass full of fucking jelly beans they did like Nick Cage did like that AMA on Reddit in preparation for everything everywhere all at once. Um, and there's that person who's like, would you ever play ghost hunter or ghost rider again? And he was like, I don't know. Like the script was good enough. Fuck you, Nick Cage. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. If the script was bitch, you, <laughs> you f- hey, fuck you. You work because you like money. Nothing wrong with that. But B script is good enough. Fuck. There's never been a good Ghost Rider script. You fucking nerd. You just like it. Oh, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? You can't catch the wind. Ah, oh, spin my chain. Oh, fuck you. Script's good enough. Fucking Nick. Oh, God. In fairness, like his choice of his choice of projects to take um, has changed a lot in the past few years. Like now he like. Like, Pig just came out, you know? And now he's, like, an Oscar name. He's classy again. Nick Cage is classy again. Nick Cage never stopped being classy. Nick Cage has always been a treasure, but suck my dick if the script's good enough. You love Ghost Rider. Don't lie to me. <laughs> no one twisted okay, your so arm if... to come back in Spirit of Vengeance. That movie blew. <laughs> okay, so if Oscar Isaac... Um, uh, is coming from a religious angle in the like in the 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 spirit of like villains who are named Doctor something or another or like what have you. Um, can he be like Reverend something or another? Yeah, because that's a fun villain name, Minister Gabriel. That's. I'm almost worried that's like too obvious. Like that's over over doubling on the 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 biblicality. Can we like Doctor Lucifer? Like <laughs> can we like shift it so like not Gabriel but something similar? Like can it Reverend be... Garfield and he, then he eats a lot of lasagna? Can it be Jacob and then he wrestles James Bond for three nights and days? Yeah, actually, we we could totally do that. And then you, you can totally make the movie take place over three nights and three days. There we go. 
Reverend Jacob, I'm into it. Does he like wear the Reverend outfit the whole movie? Okay, I I don't have an answer to that, but you know the the big holy man scarf that has different colors for different sermons, like the vibe you're going for, you know that thing, right? The big cloak. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where he has that and he's like choking James Bond out with it. And James and James is like, this seems blasphemous. And he's just like, fuck you! Because <laughs> the mask is off. <laughs> what else do we want to know about Reverend Jacob? What is the vibe? What's this guy like if you talk to him? I think I want it to be a lot like the father from midnight mass because i've gone to many a church and most of the time in movies when someone is playing a pastor they play uh oh i can't think of his name fucking i'm not gonna remember fuck it but they play a grifter right they play someone ah oh, the lord and jesus and god and right there is that yeah but the church you go to every week is a very personable guy. Sermons are a performance art, and part of that is being personable. A part of being a pastor is somewhat being a therapist. It is someone you can sit down no, totally. and talk to. I'd like a more human pastor out of Oscar Isaac. So he he knows when to do the grandiose, uh, but on a, on a day-to-day basis, he's someone you want to talk to because he's Oscar Isaac, and what a charming man. And I think I think a Bond villain is a great opportunity to show someone like dropping in and out of that. Like we get to see him doing the big megalomaniacal maniac thing, um, and then we get to see him stepping away from that and like completely shifting modes and being like down to earth and charming and likable the second he steps off stage. So you get to have both things. I would like if he gets some stupid gadgets. Oh, that's fun. I want a holy sword cane. That's cute, yeah. Actually, no, 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 no. A knife cross. So, like, there's a scene where you think someone's got the upper hand, and he's like, would you permit me to do one last Hail Mary to my God? And like, yeah, sure, man. And then he he clutches the rosary, and then he clicks a button, and a knife comes out, and ha-ha, stab, stab! Absolutely. Classic bit. Um, Also... He does have, like, control over animals, right? And so, surely we need to have, like, at least one scene where, like, he's in trouble and then he activates some kind of device on his desk and, like, a million bajillion, like, birds come flying through the room because um, uh, they've been attracted to the signal um, and, and that, like, causes enough problems that it lets him make his getaway, right? Um, There's totally a scene where he feeds a failed henchman to hyenas. Ooh, that's cute. Yeah. Do we are we up to like are we up to fun fact a piece? Is that where we're at? I feel like it. Is there anything else we want to get out of this guy? Do we feel like he's there? Nothing coming. I feel I feel ready for I feel ready for the fun facts. Alright, then we're at a fun fact a piece. Okay, I don't think this is my fun fact, this is the thing I want to say before the podcast ends. I think you meet him watching what most like christian fundamentalists would think is like a blasphemous movie like a dogma not dogma because dated but something in that vein right and he's giggling because like sure. yeah, it's a funny movie yeah that would be a, that would be a good intro like it like really disarms your expectations of what you would expect a, a, an evil preacher character to look like 
Oh, I, 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 I got it. I got one. I don't know if this yeah. is the fun fact. Yeah, yeah. But I think I just got... I think I personally have found the thing I've been looking for with this character. Uh, and it's... He... Biblically is Cain. He killed his brother Abel because Abel was the favorite son and the one his mom always said was special. So he killed the special one to become the special one, but it didn't fill the hole in his heart. And that's why he's knowing the earth to feel like a big special boy. Yeah, I like it. There you go. That's Yeah, you're right. That's that's the thing that that character needed. Um and I think I got I got two. Now I'm now I'm comfortable with the two fun facts I had. One, this motherfucker has expensive shoes. He is only in red bottoms. Okay, great. Even his pajamas are like gajillion dollar fucking pajama slippers. He's like, fuck, he buys nice ass shoes. And two, every single animal he has, he treats like a puppy. He's fucking making elephants flop over and giving them belly rubs. He's petting hyenas and lions. He loves them all. Um, I want... For him to have a real fondness for, I'm trying to figure out some kind of a musical genre that you would not expect him to have a have an affinity for. I'm like, like what, like, like, fucking EDM, like. Okay, if he's a guy who really appreciates music, I think he hates most Christian music because this is a music nerd thing. But if you listen to it. It's, like, all the same, and within the first core chords, you can go, oh, this is a fucking song about Jesus right here. This is fucking boring. Totally. I I absolutely think he's, like, a music guy, and he really is into music and can think a lot and talk with great erudition about music. He's, like, one of those, like, guys who's, like, really into Neutral Milk Hotel, you know, um, and will tell you about it. Yeah, one of um, those motherfuckers. Uh, those motherfuckers and like he always has like a pair of really nice headphones around to like compliment the reverend's outfit um like his reverend's outfit nice headphones nice shoes there we go okay one last question because i i don't don't know why i'm so down with fleshing out this dude what's how does he feel about james begrudging respect nothing but animosity fly on my wall get off shoo shoo you lowly peasant i am a devout holy man i was sent on high and glow the mountain split and god chose me to save the world and you are a man yeah i really like that one i really like fly on fly on my wall um it's so common for villains to have like a particular obsession with bond because it's like personal and it heightens the stakes for bond specifically um uh but i kind of think that i don't know like a character who specifically doesn't give a fuck about james bond um is in itself like a really interesting way of challenging that character the character who like always gets to be at the center of everything and always like it sort of benefits from being at the center of everything. And and then that's a nice little compliment to like our characters like internal tension about like wanting to feel special. Um so, and we get to have both of those characters deal with that. So do we escalate his like I don't give a shit about James Bond and like first act it's literally like whatever. Second act I do a big monologue. Third act you do the thing I just did where he's screaming because he's putting on such a show of like no but I like no seriously no, seriously, I'm like I don't, I'm better than you. No, like I'm I'm screaming right. That's I'm acting. I, I'm Adam I Driver kind of... at the end of Marriage Story. I'm acting. <laughs> like I, 
Like, I think he, he gets to have those scenes, and I don't think any of them are ever directed at James. Like, I kind of think I would prefer that 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 James Bond never gets to have the satisfaction of being the center of of Father Jacob's attention. Like, I want the like the fucking end scene of Doctor Horrible, where like like James Bond has been trying to make this personal the entire time, and then in the end, Father Jacob like lays there dying, um, uh, and James Bond like tries to get him to look at him, and Father Jacob like in his dying moments, says something like completely unrelated to James. Oh, you know what it is? He apologizes to his brother, and James is like, who the, who the fuck's Noah? I like that, yeah. <laughs> of course, his name's Noah. Um, yeah, I feel good about that. That's a great scene. Banger ending. We accidentally found a theme for our movie in it. Oops. Sorry, everybody. Um, sorry, we're just too smart and cool and hot. Um, I think that's the episode, right? That feels 100% like an episode. Wow, look at us. Another one in the can. Um, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal. My name has been Amber Autumn. She, her. My name continues to be Prince Devin. He, him. Our theme music was made by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at therealragnarok.bandcamp.com. Um, join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead, am I saying that too fast that people aren't even able to understand it anymore? Join us next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead we talk about... Dungeons and Daddies! Like, is that like a, like a, like a podcast? Is that we, are we doing... It is specifically... Are we doing a podcast on a podcast? Not a BDSM podcast. Wait, is it, a, is it a BDSM podcast? I guess you'll have to find out. And just like Amber will find out, all of you will find out how easy it is to give me your fucking money. Because I will do everything with so my power things. to monetize our friendship. And mm-mm. I have so many things to say about a BDSM podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that's a teaser for everyone. Um... Also, we're going to have a special guest on that episode. Bye, everybody. Oh, are we? What? Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>